Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. Play together, they believe. Um, if there's Levert, it's cold. Levert, back in. Speed. Oh, he's a one-man wrecking crew. Holiday, shot clock down to six. Finds one. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler. Before we get started today, if you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. Always helps us out. I'd love to get your feedback, any questions, comments, thoughts, uh, let me know as well. Uh, really psyched today to be joined by one of the writers I really look up to and, and love, love reading, seeing his stuff on the TL. Uh, Christian Winfield from the New York Daily News. We're going to talk a little bit about Nets Pacers. Uh, but first of all, Christian, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I feel like I should go outside, backflip into the snow and make a couple snow angels. But other than that, you know, uh, it's, it's fun time to be covering some New York basketball right now. Yeah, definitely, man. That's a, So one of the first questions I actually wanted to ask you, because uh, I know you've been on the Brooklyn beat for a while. Um, so what has it been like kind of the last two years going from that that rebuilding Brooklyn team um, to being, you know, one of the the teams to cover right now? Like, I mean, having KD, Kyrie, James, uh, it's just a very different atmosphere from what it was. You know, when I when I was in high school, still, I mean, I'm I'm Thad Young's one of my favorite players, great dude too. Um, right. So I I'm, I've, I remember growing up watching the you know Thad Young ball out on the, on, a, on a pretty poor Nets team, and now we're here. So what's that been like, kind of adjusting to that? I mean, it, it, it's been well. There's two layers to it, right? It's number one, you've got this team that's kind of changed in the blink of an eye. You have a team that was you know, kind of a growing little toddler that's going, trying to grow up that just now it's like, okay, forget the toddlers. We're going all in on some grown adults. Um, okay. and, and then you, you've got the pandemic coming into the middle of that and kind of derailing everything you know about journalism, where you're, whereas you're supposed to be able to rely on your instincts and your senses to be able to, to, to really, you know, I, I was taught, you know, you, you as a reporter, your job is to be the eyes, the ears for the fans who want to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Live that life that 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 you are able to, right? And now I, my access has kind of been revoked in a way, right? I'm still able to go to Barclays and watch some of these games, but I'm not in locker rooms, right? I'm not mm-hmm. able. There's no fans in these arenas, and fans are half the story sometimes. So it it really changed the entire dynamic. So when you ask me, you know, how is it covering this team? You know, part of it is kind of boring. You know, like I don't yeah. I don't get to be around all these guys. I don't get to go in these locker rooms and go be around people. You know, there's a human element of it that's missing. Even when I go to games. You know the interviews are on are still on Zoom, right? And it's like, dang, well, I might as well work from home. Well, it's like, no, you kind of have to find those new and creative ways uh, to 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 be a journalist and to be a reporter. So it's been challenging. I guess that's a good word to use. Um, but you've also you also get to find your fun. You know, trust me, covering this team with James Harden has been a lot more fun than covering him without it. Just like covering this team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving um, has been a lot more fun without it. Especially the way these guys approach the game, how they talk about it what everybody else says about them you know the one thing that everybody else says about Kevin Durant is that you know we know when he gets when when we go to practice he's going to be the one that's focusing on his craft and because he sets that tone how could we not you know how could we not come and focus in on our craft when we have to go look over at Kevin who just got done with 552 days of rehab before he plays a game and he's busting his ass to work and how can we not you know rise up to that level so there's different ways you know to to kind of encapsulate that energy but at the same time man, it's tough because you know i just wish nets fans could come in and experience some of these games with us you know like 
you kind of forget sometimes because they have this fan. Well, not really fan. It's like kind of, you know, mechanic noise or how, whatever word you want to use. They kind of mm-hmm. just like simulate fan noise. So it kind of sometimes feels like there's an atmosphere and environment, but there's no fans there. And it's a, it's a different, it's a completely different experience. So my experience covering this team has been different from covering this team on a bunch of different levels, but uh, it's still been fun. I'm still blessed um, and still a lot of work to be done. Yeah, no doubt. That's got to be so weird without fans going to the games. Um, I know my editor is, you know, going to the games and uh, it's just different. Right. And I mean, I think you, you add a whole other layer to it too. Like the Pacers play Houston in, uh, in two weeks, um, in Indiana. And so Victor will be back after, you know, how it's crazy to think I was thinking about this yesterday. That wasn't even a month ago. It feels like a decade ago. Um, but that trade was, was barely even a month ago. Um, so it's, yeah. it's just a very different feeling. You know, the fan, there's, it's, you know, I think there's going to be like maybe three or 4,000 people there. So it's still like a decent amount, but it's just completely different, you know, how you expect um, the homecoming for a player to go, you know, um, and, and kind of launching into that too. I want to ask you, I mean, uh, I, I remember you were on one of the media calls when uh, when when Karis first was on. Um, sure. What what can you you know kind of tell people a little bit about Karis? Uh, what to expect on court and also a little bit off court? Oh, just man. from what I know, off court, just tremendous dude. I don't even know where to start. Um, Karis is a guy who has dealt with injury basically every step of his career. Yeah. You know, I got a chance to really talk to. Um, I talked to his high school coach. I talked to his college coach. I talked to his coaches at in Brooklyn, you know, I talked to guys who are around him for a feature I did. Um, and he's just one of the hardest. Here's one of the things that I, said. I, I got a chance to ask Brooke Lopez about this, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't even get a chance to use it for the story. I didn't even know I was going to write this story when I was talking to Brooke Lopez. I was just talking to him and he was just like, yo, you know, the way Karis approaches just his fusionetics training um, just to, to get his body in rehab, like there's no way that he's not going to be back to 110% of wherever he was before. And the reason I titled the story, everybody who bets on Karis the verse gets rich is because that's kind of how it goes. You know, this is a guy who's going to bust his ass for whoever it is that he's playing for. Right. It happened at Michigan. It happened here. You know, it happened in Brooklyn. It's going to happen in Indiana because of how he plays. You know, he's just he and he's just a solid human being. You know, he's one of just humble. You know, he's, he's just thankful for the opportunities that he's been given. You know, it's the next thing that took a chance on him despite having several injuries to, to I think it was stress, fractures, stress fractures in his feet. Like, I mean, there's so many different injuries that he's had. And then in Brooklyn, he dislocates his ankle, has dislocates his thumb. You know, it's just one thing after another. And then he just continues to find ways to get better. We saw him get better in the Orlando bubble. We saw him get better when he comes back from the bubble, Orlando bubble this year. Um, and, and I have full confidence he's going to get better than where he was in Brooklyn uh, while, once he gets back from, you know what I'm saying, recovering from his from his kidney stuff. Um, so that's kind of – that's the biggest insight I can give you into Karras. He's a guy who is going to be better, who's a guy who takes every bit of adversity as a chip on his shoulder and an opportunity to to improve on himself. And uh, you guys are going to benefit from that. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited. A, I'm I'm just happy that he's healthy now, man. Like that was uh, that was some scary shit. Um, yeah. I can't even imagine where you know what he was feeling with that. Um, but of course, excited to see him on court too. Um, and like you mentioned too, it's actually really funny. So I grew up in Ohio. Um, I was going back through uh, when when the trade first went through and just like looking through some of his old stuff. I'd forgotten. I, I mean, I knew he was from Columbus area, but I'd forgotten he played at Pickerington North. And he played with Jay Sean Tate. Yeah. And Jay Sean Tate's been mm-hmm. you know been awesome this year. Um, so it's cool. Like like you're mentioning, you know, people who bet on Karis, um, they find a way to get rich in the end. Um, yeah. And looking at this Brooklyn team too, 
So the offense, you know, I, I haven't obviously haven't seen them as much as you have probably seen five or six games since the Harden trade. Um, the sure. offense has been just absurd. Like I, I, I'm trying to picture how tomorrow the Pacers are even going to try to defend the Joe Harris, uh, James Harden pick and roll. That is like my favorite play in basketball right now because it's just undefendable pretty much. <laughs> Um, yeah, but the defense has really struggled as of late. So I, again, sure. you know that can be overblown sometimes. But what have you seen on that end, uh, and what do you think is maybe some something that could be uh, that they might be looking for to improve, or how they're how they're looking to improve? I should say. I mean, that's another way to start question, right? That defense is atrocious. Um, yeah. And, and one thing about them is they're not delusional about that, and they you know they understand the defense is bad. And they understand the, the the construction of their roster doesn't lend itself to being a top five defense, right? When you got Kyrie Irving, Kevin, uh, James Harden, Joe Harris, uh, DeAndre Jordan, age 30, what is he, 32, 33, 34, getting up there in age. Um, Kevin Durant, who, you know what I'm saying, is obviously an underrated defender, but still, you, I mean, and, and even for him, he's, he's understanding that. And one thing that I've learned about KD throughout this whole process is that he, he has energy in the tank, right? He's going mm-hmm. to go out there and pick his spots on offense, but he's also going to be able to exert himself on defense. Um, but not everybody's built like that on this roster. You know, this is not a team that is constructed to be a defensive juggernaut, and they, they understand that. Um, a lot of it comes down to, and, and you know, Steve Nash is, is saying this day by day, it comes down to pride and effort. You hear a lot of guys mm-hmm. talk about that. Like, that's why you get a guy like Shump in here, right? Shimon Shump really just signed him. He's a guy who's not going to let you lay off on the defensive end because he's going to go 200% on the defensive end, and that's going to be contagious. I think that helps. I think that's going to help them. Um, but defensively, that's what a lot of it boils down to. You know, the rest of the things, you know, the, the miscommunications, the not being in the right place, the not helping guys, that's going to come over time because there's still a group of guys that's trying to learn how to play with. I mean, they just traded, what, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, Torian Prince, Rudy, and a yep. bunch of picks for one guy. You know, obviously there's going to be a bunch of, a, uh, there's going to be a learning curve there. But I think once they just get back down to the fundamentals of, you know, getting in front of your man, staying in front of your man, not, you know, relaxing on a play, not taking plays off and just, owning that defensive possession and that Steve Nash like they have pride on the defensive end. I think that's when they'll be fine. I think we're seeing them get to that point. Um, but it's, it's also going to be a process. It's a team that likes to play down to opponents. They're recording this now. They got to play the Pistons tonight. Pistons just traded Derrick Rose. How do you go out there and prevent a, a team with no star from coming out there and hanging 140 points on you because you didn't take them seriously? These are things that they have to deal with, right? It's, it's more so pride and more so energy and bringing it and not taking any opponents off. And I think they'll get there. Yeah, I think it's a great point because, you know, a lot of times, like I, like I mentioned again, growing up in Cleveland, like when LeBron came back his second time around, um, I mean, a, a lot was always made out of the defense because other than the first year, those defenses were, were always, you know, bottom bottom 20 in the league. Um, and so much of I mean, of course, every single year, every all the stuff gets made about how bad the defense is, and then they completely yeah. turn it around in the playoffs because they start locking in, they, they're making rotations better. I don't think this team is like yeah. that level of bad on defense because they've just gotten to being together um but i think that's a really great point to bring up and I, I think you look at it too i mean you have three of the best talents uh offensively and i mean not just offensively just basketball talents in this past generation <laughs> playing on the same team together so like i i really don't understand why some people uh, got a little up in arms over the trade and were like oh you can't trade like i mean obviously jared allen's awesome player but when you have the opportunity to make this kind of move like i mean dude you can't not um what's the yeah. uh, what's one thing that has been uh under reporters is the wrong way to put it, but one thing that is uh, like really stood out or been been kind of cool to witness um, as the team's starting to come together over the last few weeks. Oh, I'm going to toot my own horn real quick. Um, 
Nobody's talking about Bruce Brown until I started talking. Oh about Bruce yes, Brown. I love it. Uh, the Nets, the uh, the Nets traded for Bruce Brown. They uh, they they sent what was it? They sent it was a three team trade. They ended up getting Bruce Brown back from the Pistons in exchange for what was that? John and Musa and the mm-hmm. future second round pick. The Pistons cut Musa, so he that they basically got Bruce Brown for free almost. Except now you you trade a, a first round pick to the Clippers who reroute that pick to the Pistons to get Luke Kennard over there. So it was a bunch of different workers. Um, Bruce Brown's on the bench for most of the for most of the beginning of the season. And I'm starting to ask questions. You know, I'm saying like this is a guy who's a starter. This team sucks on defense. Bruce Brown could play defense. Spencer Dinwiddie goes down. He's kind of on that same vein. Not as gifted of a playmaker or a shooter, but you can call him Dinwiddie light, right? He can mm-hmm. he can still handle the ball. He can defend multiple positions. This guy's not getting off the bench. So I, I start poking my nose around. I'm asking Steve Nash, hey, what's you know what's going on with with, with Bruce Brown? And he goes, oh, you know, he's not as as good of a playmaker or as good of an open shot. Of a, of a shooter you know what i'm saying and this is the mm-hmm. team where we need spacing and whatnot and i, I kind of pressed on that day after day after day i'm like hey what's Bruce Brown up to today you know what i'm saying is that something you guys are struggling on defense he's not doing so you want to put him in the game first game he puts in i think bruce brown has he, he makes the biggest difference. i forget what exactly he put up but i think it was something like 8.6 rebounds four assists two steals something crazy like that um and then that just become now now bruce brown bandwagon is so big that i don't even have to drive it anymore Right, and, and those are one of those things that it's just like, hey, you know, Bruce Brown's a guy who started somewhere else. You know, what I'm saying he comes to this team, and yes, you have a bunch of other talented guys on this roster, but this team needs someone who can who can be that spark plug defensively, make plays, uh, who's going to do little things, create second chance opportunities, create create. You know, what I'm saying get offensive rebounds, get his team involved. These are that's a guy who he came to Brooklyn. That's what he wanted to do. You know, he does not out there to shoot, even though he needs to be able to knock down that three. Um, that's something that I, I was I was particularly happy to witness unfold because I, I'd like to think had it not been for me, he could still be on the bench, <laughs> end of the bench, wasting away, you know. And, and I and anyone anyone on the Nets beat would tell you that I was the first person to start asking for uh, asking about him, and then boom, he, he ends up being in the rotation. He's a key player right now. Well, hey, he better be sending you a check by the end of the season, then. <laughs> I hope but, he does. Uh, we'll see what. happens. <laughs> hey, I mean, from what I know, he's he's supposed to be a great dude. I, uh, I, I'm I'm friends with James Edwards. Uh, I talked to him pretty regularly, and he he was telling me he thinks you know Bruce is probably his uh his favorite dude that he would go get quotes from over the last couple of years. So uh, I'm sure that hopefully if you're able to get back into the locker room at some point, does not seem like that's going to happen this year. But you know you can hope. But uh, yeah, it, look, looking at days. more of the uh more of the bench, um. What have you thought of of Reggie Perry so far this year? Um, obviously a rookie, but I've uh, I really like the energy he brings. Obviously, you know he's kind of he's 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 still finding his way, um, but he shows some yeah. nice flashes. Yeah, he, he gives me big uh, deer in the headlights energy. You know what I'm saying? Like first <laughs> yeah. time out there on the floor. You know, you, it's a lot going on. You, you can see that there's some talent there, right? You can see that he can shoot the ball from three. It's just not very consistent. I think the last time we saw him shoot a three, it was top of the key and it only hit backboard. Um, so he's got to get a little bit more consistent at that. And then just like understanding, you know, time and space. And the NBA is not an easy game. And on top of that, guys are very easily replaceable. And, and on top of that, you got you to manage expectations. Guys mm-hmm. drafted at the end of the second round, right? It's not like yeah. he's, he's got drafted first. It's not even like he's Nick Claxton, another guy who hasn't played this year. But he, Claxton got drafted 31st in the year in the previous draft, right? That's mm-hmm. a guy I was like, okay, you might have some expectations of him. Reggie Perry, I mean, you got to have realistic expectations right and realistically there was no way he was going to come in and be able to insert himself onto a championship contender that needs people to compete right away 
He was always going to be a G League player, at least this year, maybe next year. Now, give me two years down the line. Can he be someone that contributes to this team? Sure. Can he continue to space the floor and hit the three? Can he? Does he know where he needs to be? Does he understand? Has he watched enough film on DeAndre Jordan? Because as, as much crap as DeAndre Jordan gets to being old and a little bit of wash, he's still smart. He's always going to have that basketball IQ this year. It's his IQ up, right? You know, and, and, you know, that's not to say he won't be – it's not to say he's trash. I'm not saying he's trash right now. I think he's pretty talented. But, you know, the reality of the NBA is that everyone's talented, right? Yeah. So what are you going to do to take your game to the next level? I think that's why he's got to go to the G League, right, because you're going to play down there instead of not playing at all. Um, and I think he's got the tools. It's just what does he end up doing with them? That's what it boils down to for me. Yeah, no, definitely. That's a that's a really great point to bring up. Um, I, I think I, I brought that up too when when Cassius Stanley was drafted by the Pacers at the beginning of the year. Um, I I saw mm. you know there were people in my mentions saying, oh, you know, he's gonna he could he could end up starting by, by the end of the year. I was like, no, no, let's not let's not do that. This guy was you know <laughs> he was like barely the fiftieth yeah. pick. You, you know, he's he's just he's he's younger than I am somehow. He's like the one guy on the team. So, uh, you know, we gotta we gotta let him let him cook in the G League, become his own player, and then then we can go from there. Don't don't get too up in arms yet. Um, so last question I want to ask you, cause I know you got to get out of here. Um, looking at the Pacers, have you caught any of them this year or, or what, what kind of thoughts do you have on the team and, um, any, anything on the matchup tomorrow? Uh, unfortunately I haven't really been able to watch too much of them. Um, okay. Well, even better than what questions, especially after, if, what, like what yeah, big question do you have about sure. the Pacers? Sure. I mean, you guys lose your, your, your engine, right? You don't have Victor Oladipo anymore. How do you compensate for that? Especially since Karras is out, right? I, I'm mm-hmm. from the read I'm getting, it's not that this team is even concerned in the slightest with when he's going to come back. It's more so is he healthy and can he even continue to function playing basketball healthily? Right. And that's a process, right? That's not, I asked, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce your coach's last name. Uh, Nate Bjorkgren. Yeah. yeah, there we go. I said it. Um, you know, I asked him, but he's going to say that's not our concern. We, we are less concerned with when Karras is coming back and more yeah. concerned about his overall health. Right. So you lose Victor Oladipo and you don't get anything back to replace him. Um, I, I think there's still, I don't, you know, that w- when I was watching more NBA and less of one team, there was always a concern as to whether the, the Turner Sabonis pairing would, would, would work out. I don't know how you guys, how that's worked out. If there's those two guys are playing extended minutes together, or whether the coach is staggering them, how that's happening. Um, and then honestly, just with this, I mean, the Pacers have always been a, a kind of like a well-oiled machine that's going to run itself, but this is a star, a star league, right? And yeah. you guys have kind of, I mean, call it spade a spade. You guys struggle to keep stars, right? So where do you, who are you, is Karras going to be the guy you build around? Is it, is it going to be Brogdon? Is it going to be, you know, like you guys have all these pieces. What Can you build something for the long haul? Do you have to draft somebody that's going to be there? How, like, how is that going to work? That's always my concern, you know, with, smaller market teams or with teams that aren't maybe in the most sexy destination, like in the LA or Miami or New York or a Philly, you know, the Bucks got lucky. They got somebody who wants to stay there, but guys generally don't stay in, in, in franchises that, you know what I'm saying? Aren't in big cities. And if they do, those franchises got lucky. So how are you guys going to capitalize on what you have now? You know, I do like Miles Turner. I think he's, you know, a, a, maybe not prototypical big, but he's a guy who's going to reject shots on one end, space the floor out, hit some threes on the other end. Now what is he going to do with that in-between game? Sabonis is tough. That's one of my favorite players on you guys' team because he dogs the Nets every time because the Nets can't guard anybody on the inside, and this has gone back for a while. Um, and then he, he was he was kind of the Embiid stopper for a little while, right? I think I remember that uh, for, for a little minute. So you guys have a bunch of pieces, but that you're missing that one piece in my opinion. And that could be Karras. I know Karras has two more years on his deal after this one could be him. 
could be somebody else. But when I think of the Pacers, that's who I think. You guys are, are a solid team, but I know Indiana basketball, rich history. You guys want to be better than solid. And what are you guys going to do to, to get to better than solid? Because right now, I, I if you're just asking me, I don't see anything more than another first round out. Yeah, that's uh, that's honestly a great point, man. I mean, you look like we're talking about with Karis and we mentioned Victor earlier. I mean, part of the reason Victor was dealt was because the front office wasn't convinced that he was going to stay. Um, so, you know, that's 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 a that's a tough blow, especially seeing like you mentioned that, that happened with Paul George, obviously in a very different way. But um, I guess if you ask Kevin Pritchard, he would say the goal is, you know, you can have this whole team together and they, they're all healthy and you see uh, you see a, the uh, light at the end of the tunnel is the wrong way to put it. But we, we haven't seen this team fully healthy together. And there's that idea, you know, they could be right. a, a team that's able to be really deep and um, kind of be a facsimile of having a, a great stars by having a bunch of really quality high end starters. Um, but sure, yeah. I, I mean, you can bring that up as many times as you want, but it's tough because you, you know, injuries happen, especially looking at this team. A lot of guys are pretty injury prone. Like, like you mentioned with Karis, great player. Um, but unfortunately has been really injury prone in his career. TJ Warren has been a really injury prone guy. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. Injuries it's, happen. Yeah. Injuries happen. And then, and stars happen, man. It doesn't matter how good of a unit you think you have. That team probably isn't going to be the team with two singular superstars, right? Like, yeah. good luck if you think the Pacers is currently constructed to have a chance against a team like, honestly, like the Nets. You got Kyrie, KD, and James Harden, and then you've got Joe Harris, and, and, and well, maybe that's the, that, that's a extreme, right? Maybe look at the Bucks. You have that one singular superstar, and then you've got guys around them, right? Yeah. I think teams like that. Look at Philly, maybe even. You've got Joel Embiid. I mean, and, and that depends. I think Sabonis is a really good matchup. But even even that, you've got Ben Simmons. You've got Tobias Harris. You've got a bunch of different pieces that could qualify as supplementary stars to your superstar. You guys don't have a superstar yet. You just have a bunch of supplementary stars. You need that one piece. And that's just my opinion. So I think you guys are that one, you know, franchise cornerstone away from really making some noise. But until then, uh, that noise is going to be muffled. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I I think that maybe there's a way that they could uh, try and uh, quote unquote work around it. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with them. I, I think it's going to be a lot more. A lot of fans have been kind of frustrated with this year, which I get to an extent. But at the same time, you know, new coaching staff, uh, new players, roster turned over with Victor out. You know, I I, I don't know why yeah. they, why people are necessarily expecting uh, to have. Uh, a massive turnaround this year you know it's a it's the beginning of a new era i guess would be the way to put it losing nate mcmillan like one of the most his whole thing was being consistent and he was damn good at it yeah um so yeah. it's it's just very different i you know trying to temper expectations but uh in looking at just tomorrow night i would uh i would certainly say brooklyn i i'm pretty confident we'll get the win it's gonna be a very difficult matchup for the pacers but um <laughs> yeah, you know I they mean, just you never guard, know. guarding Kyrie and and james because if i'm as far as i'm aware kd is not playing the, uh this week right no nah, he, he's out till friday and that's, yeah, that's a whole other can of worms that we don't even need to get into <laughs> yeah definitely but um christian i, I just want to say thank you so much for for coming on man um, do you have anything that you want to plug? Uh, floor is yours on that. Um, I don't need to plug myself. Uh, I want not need fun on Twitter is a good place to donate your money um, and be good to other people. That's, that's all I'm going to plug. Definitely. I appreciate it. That's a good way to go with it. Well, Christian, thank you. Thank you again, man, to everyone listening. Of course, go follow Christian, everything he does. Just have a good rest of your day.